listening to the Rainmaking Podcast. Hosted by high-stakes headhunter, author, and professional speaker, Scott Love. This is the Rainmaking Podcast, and my name is Scott Love. Thanks for joining me on the show. If you're in the business of getting business, you've got to be well-connected. So should you build a network, or maybe you can build a power grid? What's the difference between a network and a power grid? Well, that's a question we're going to get the answer to today in our conversation with our guest, Eric Dewey. Eric is an expert in driving growth and market penetration in professional services firms. He's worked as the chief marketing executive for four different law firms, including two Amlaw 200 firms and the largest plaintiff securities class action firm in the United States. Now, even if you're not in the legal industry, the concepts that he shares today are malleable. They're fungible. They can fit exactly what you do if you're in the business of getting business. So make sure you listen to what Eric has to say. And there's a lot of tactical ideas that he shares with us today. Also, make sure you connect with him on LinkedIn. We've got his LinkedIn link on our show notes, as well as links to some of the other resources that he shares with us today. As always, this show is sponsored by Leopard Solutions, Legal Intelligence, Suite of Products, Firmscape, and Leopard BI. Push ahead of the pack with the power of Leopard. And now here's my guest, Eric Dewey, talking about building a power grid. This is Scott Love. Thanks for joining me on the Rainmaking Podcast. Our guest today is Eric Dewey, and we're talking about the difference between networking and building a power grid. Eric, thanks for joining me on the show today. Oh, thanks, Scott. I appreciate the opportunity to talk to you about the, my new book, Power Grids. Absolutely. And I've read the book. It's fantastic. And I want to read it again because there's a lot of content in there that I think can help people in terms of business development. And you've got the credentials for that. And so I like the idea. I liked how you call it a power grid. And so that's my first question for you. What is the difference between networking and building a power grid? Yeah. So networking is a focus of business development training. I mean, when you go and get any kind of training, almost inevitably, the, one of the first things they talk about is networking. And networking is really about trying to know more people. Yep. And I differentiate networking from a power grid or what I consider connecting is Connecting is really about trying to know people more. And mm -hmm. so spending the time getting to know them, getting to know who they know, getting to know what information they have, what resources they have available to them and whatnot. So the concept of a power grid is something that I've observed in coaching attorneys over the years, both as inside as a CMO, but also uh, extensively in, in my consulting practice. And that is the ones that were really, really successful have identified a group of people with same values, the same commitment to one another of building their practice, and they stay in constant contact with them. They've identified the value that they bring to their network of connections, and they've identified who they know, and they've, they've worked through you know, identifying really powerful people. So it takes different forms in that you know, they can reach out to people on a regular basis, but they'll use their CRM system or they'll write down who they're going to talk to each month on a piece of paper. I have one client that I worked with that is just old school. And he, he every month he wrote 150 names down on the front and back of the paper wow. and what he wanted to talk to them about. And he, he just went through those. And that worked. It does work. <laughs> uh, so the concept of a power grid is, is that 
you're working with what I recommend is 150 qualified connections. Okay, great, great. That's good. That's a good number. And why that number? Well, you know, it's interesting. 150 shows up in a lot of historical places. It, it shows up in military organization. It shows up in tribes and like how many people you can know. So what they've theorized, at least the behavioral scientists have theorized, is that the human mind can really know about 150 relationships really well. And the other benefit of that 150 number is if you reach out to three people a day, which is a very aggressive pace of outreach, but if you do that, you'll get through 150 people each quarter, which means that you'll speak to them four times a year, which means you're staying on their radar. They know who you are. They know what you're about. And those people are the people that you really try to build your power grid from. That's great. Wow. What a great... I mean, already three minutes into it, we've gotten some good substance here. This is fantastic. Let me ask you to elaborate on this. In your book, you talk about your power grid needs to be broad. It needs to be deep. It needs to be diverse Mm -hmm. and responsive. What do you mean by that exactly? So, you know, as you develop your power grid, you're going to add people and subtract people from from that group, your power network. Right. And, you know, if that Evaluating your power grid, you know, just interesting. I can work with any attorney and within with two questions, I can pretty much know whether they're going to be successful or not. And the two questions are, I want to know who you know. I want to actually see all the people that you know. And I want to hear what you do in terms of business development. What are the behaviors? How are you approaching mm-hmm. your business development? When I know those two things, I know pretty much what I need to do to help them be successful. And then when I look at their connections, I want to see that they're broadly dispersed across, you know, across geographic areas, across industries, across types of businesses. I want to see that they're diverse, that they're bringing in lots of different people with different perspectives from different lifestyles, different areas that they've grown up in. I want to see a real diversity of the network because diversity gives you more creative solutions and provides more insights and and more creative ideas and whatnot. And then I want to also see that it's deep. I don't want you to know everybody at your level. I want you to know people above your level and I want you to know people below your level. Like it should be a deep network. You should know multiple people in the corporations that you want to work for, whether it's HR, marketing, it's operations, it's, you know, in the legal department and what have you. But the more diverse and the deeper the network is and the broader it is, the more powerful it is. That's great. But the single most important aspect of your network should be the responsiveness of those in your network. And, and what do you mean by that? What do you mean by yeah. that exactly? Good question. So if you reach out to somebody, they should get back to you quickly. You know, they should be the type of people that appreciate what you bring to the table and that respect you and are responsive. If you ask for a favor, you know, they'll do it. You in turn have to be very, really responsive to them because you know, everything you ask of other people in your network, you need to deliver yourself first. Yeah, right. Absolutely. So when you talk about who you should be in your power grid, I liked how you gave them different categories, such as navigators, technicians, mm-hmm. decision makers, influencers, right. Right. and some of the others. Tell us about those. What should we be looking for or how would we categorize people or segment them into certain categories? And what are those categories? So what, you know, your power grid produces information, it produces insights, it produces introductions and connections. There's a lot of different value that comes out of your power grid. And so, 
in order to map, to optimize that value, you really need to be understanding the role that each of the people in your power grid play. So, for instance, a navigator. Navigators are the people that have really robust power grids themselves. They can tap lots of different expertise. They're the kind of people that get asked first, hey, let's get Ed involved in this because, you know, he'll know somebody that can help us with this. So that's a navigator. He's, he's somebody that navigates the networks to get resources to the people that need them. Okay, great. Decision makers, everybody knows what the decision maker is, but I think of decision makers a little bit differently. They're kind of the gatekeepers of engagements, but the higher up you go in an organization and the larger the organization is, decision makers don't make decisions in isolations. They're not a single person that makes the decision. What those decision makers do is they build consensus among all those people that have a stake in the decision or that can influence the decision. So they go to the CFO, they go to the department heads and what have. So decision makers are people that are well-positioned companies to build consensus and understand how decisions are made in a corporation. Got it. Okay, good. Influencers. Mm -hmm. Those are like the stakeholders in in any solution. So if you say, hey, we're going to change our technology contract clauses to reflect this new legislation or whatever, well, you're going to need to go to the IT guy. You're going to need to go to the training department. You're going to, you know, there's lots of different people that are going to have input into how you change those contracts and how that gets executed inside the company. So those are influencers because influencers can say no. They can't say yes, but they're the ones that can say no. And so you need to know who they are and what their concerns are. Then you have the non-legal resources. These are, you know, people that can provide information and provide resources that may not be in a position to be able to hire you or know who somebody who does, but they're basically people that you can go to to get different kinds of information and, and insights. Of course, you have referral sources. Everybody knows who their referral sources are. And then more importantly, you also need coaches and guides and mentors. You need need the people who really are supporting you very well that you can go to for advice, to brainstorm, to talk about, okay, here's something I'm trying to do. What do you think of this? And so those are all the different kinds of roles that you see in a power grid. This is very helpful because as you talking about these people to the listeners right now, I want you to think of who are the people that you know you've reached out to in the past and you may not have thought that there's a systematic way to segment people into certain categories, but now you know. And so I like the fact that you're giving us a framework that everybody that is successful in business development has done what you're talking about, but now we have a framework and a systematic way that we can approach this. And so as I'm thinking of right now, I'm thinking of who are the people that are the guides? Who are the people that are the coaches? Who are the people that are the non-legal resources? Who are those decision makers and those influencers that I can go to, that I've gone to in the past, and now I'm going to segment them? One thing, let me ask you this. As people keep track of this information, do you think those are good ways to categorize people in their CRM or in their database or dare I say it, their Rolodex. <laughs> is, how would you, what would you recommend? Well, the purpose of it is to kind of think about the value that they bring or the challenges that they face so that you can relate to them better. People's roles can change. Sometimes they can be a decision maker and it strongly influence what happens. Other times they may be an influencer. So you can't pigeonhole them necessarily. The process is simply to try to think through 
what is their role? How, how should I be relating to them? And how should I understand what value they can bring to my power grid? Okay, that's great. That's good. That's really helpful. And so let me ask you this, kind of moving to actions that we take in terms of building this. You talk in your book about habits and qualities of powerful connectors. What does that mean exactly? So when I've observed, you know, when I'm coaching attorneys and whatnot, I'm very observant about the qualities they're bringing and what their habits are and, and, you know, what's making them successful or what's keeping them from being more successful. Mm -hmm. And in doing that, there's lots of different qualities that make up and there's no one silver bullet set of qualities, of course, but there are some things that stand out that are really important for people to pay attention to. One, they're organized. They have a system for reaching out to others and staying on track with how they reach out to others, whether it's, you know, just notes on a pad of paper or it's Mm -hmm. a CRM system and they're recording, you know, the notes of the conversation in that, but they have some organized system that they stick to. The second thing is they tend to be givers. They're not afraid to give their opinions about things. They're not afraid to give quote unquote, free legal advice or what have you, but they're always looking to help other people out in whatever way that they can. So they're interesting. They're givers. And hopefully most of the people there, you know, are in their power grids are kind of matchers. They want to reciprocate. Yeah. And then there's knowledge, you know, those that are really good about managing and developing a power grid, know who everybody is, know what they do, know who their secretary is or administrative assistant. They have a lot of knowledge about their network. Right. They know how old their kids are, the people that, you know, yeah. Yeah. They know what books they've written. They've, you know, Mm -hmm. they take the time to really gain knowledge about who's in their network and, and, you know, the value that they have in their network. They're respected and influential just by the sheer volume of outreach and by their, you know, sharing their content and, you know, talking with other people, advising them, they, they grow respectful and influential. And that's a quality that has to be, you know, developed and fed. But, you know, if you're paying attention to just, you know, your ability to be influential, that's an important component of being a good power grid connector. Right. They also tend to be very likable. And most importantly, they're good listeners. They're very curious about people. They're curious about their business. They're curious about the industry. They ask questions, listen really well, and then probe into getting more information. They don't just go, oh, this is a trend in the industry. Why is it a trend? You know, how is that uh, manifesting in the industry? Yeah. And, and they really engage you in a, in a very interesting conversation to the point where, you know, that was, I really enjoyed talking to that person. They were really thoughtful. They understood what was going on. And you can't do that if you're thinking about what you're going to say next. Yeah. You can only do that if you're completely in the moment with that person in conversation and and good power grid connectors stay in the moment. You know, this is interesting, Eric, because when you described all of this, people that are organized, they tend to be givers. They've got knowledge. They're likable. They're good listeners. Mm -hmm. As I think of some of the more remarkable and incredible partners I've talked to, those candidates that I know that have very successful practices, Mm -hmm. this is them. None of them are aloof. None of them are arrogant. Most of them, I'd say maybe half of them came from families without money. They didn't go to a school that their parents paid for. They had to work their way or get scholarships or whatever. I mean, they really had to kind of climb their way up. Yeah, I found that that every successful partner I've talked to 
fits all of these categories. I learned a lesson from one of them because, and this is recently in the last two years, because before we got too much into my presentation of my client's opportunity, he said, well, hold on a second, Scott, tell me about you. (laughs) I want to know about you. Yeah. And I thought that's interesting (laughs) that that's someone that really wants to get to know the person. And this is someone that had built a very successful practice. Yeah. This is great, Eric. I think your content here is absolutely solid. And I'm excited to dig deeper into your book on my next read. So let me, let me ask you this. You talk about outreach. What exactly constitutes outreach? What are the things that people should keep in mind in that regard? Well, outreach is any connection with another human being, whether that's in a social setting, whether you're you know visiting their office, you're doing a pitch, you're making a phone call, you're sending an email. Outreach is just a general term of you know, trying to connect with other human beings. And, and so outreach can take many different forms. I, in the book suggest that if you're going to try to reach three people a day, the pace that generates significant work for a practice area that you probably need to be making phone calls doing that because you, your personality comes up crossing the phone as much as, you know, much better than it does in an email, you know, Phone calls are really good and they're less time consuming than a visit or lunch or whatever. But I mean, you should schedule lunches and dinners and drinks and all those kinds of things in addition, but also be making these calls. Right. And so in the book, I also um, give you a formula for that call, what research to do but ahead of time. You'll get better and better at it. But there are certain things you need to know about your contact before you're calling. Check, you know, check, make sure they didn't make the, you know police blotter or something. <laughs> you want to you want to know all the big things that have happened and, and you need to check those things. But then there's a formula I advise for any phone outreach phone call and it's called share care pivot and plus up. And share means sharing what's going on with yourself, right? Care means identifying something that's going on with them that shows you're paying attention to them. Pivot means how am I going to take the conversation from small talk, personal talk into a business objective? What's my call objective for this? And plus up is uh, how am I going to give some value to this person? What am I going to leave them with that makes them feel that call was worth taking? And I want to take another call from them because I, I got something out of that call. This is great. Wow. This is fantastic. You've created a brilliant system, Eric, that I think people can definitely benefit from. So let me ask you this then, as we kind of bring things to a close in our interview today, if we could take what you've shared with us and really bring it down into three action steps that people can take today to start implementing some of these ideas, what would those three action steps be? Yeah, it's surprising to me how few attorneys have done this, that they look at all the people that they know and assume everybody they know is in that list of their contacts. And they're not. So what I ask them to do is go through your LinkedIn, go through Facebook, go through your email system, go through your Instagram system, get get all your link in context, and then think about all the people that you've known in past jobs and, you know, at church, in your neighborhood or, you know, synagogue or, you know, at the gym or what have you go through all those personalities to aggregate everybody 
that you know. Get them into a list, not just the people in your email system or the people on the CRM, but also add in the people from LinkedIn, from your Facebook, from other social media. And then think through all the people that you know that may not be in your contact list, people that you worked with, you know, attorneys on the other side of the table, and really mm-hmm. take the time to think through who are all the people I know now or have known that I would want to consider for my power grid. That's great. And that's step number one, right? That's step number one. Yeah. Okay. Step number two is then to categorize and prioritize them. And I give you some examples of how to do that in the book, but you want to basically be able to categorize them by what value they can bring to the power grid, you or others in your power grid, and prioritize them in terms of are they existing clients or past clients? Are they you know prospective clients, referral sources? And basically kind of understand who they are. And when you read through the book, there's lots of different things to look at when you're evaluating your power grid and when you're figuring out who those 150 people are. But the idea here is to get 150. And then the third thing is build the habit. Start the discipline of reaching out to three people every day. And as you do that, I mean, I've seen attorneys that within the first month of doing it have basically generated hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of work because they've reconnected with people they've lost contact with. This is Um, great. And if you don't go through that process, you're leaving business on the table because you never know where work's going to come from, but you do know who the people are that tend to see opportunities for you to do that work. This is fantastic, Eric. I really appreciate you sharing this and being so clear in your systems that you've come up with. And you've got some great ideas. Tell us about your offerings. What would you like our listeners to know about you, about what services you can provide that can help So first and foremost, I'm a business development coach. So Mm -hmm. I tend to work with young partners, sometimes senior partners who have really difficult practice situations um, that need some help getting getting their book rebuilt. Second thing is I'm a trainer. I've got a, a platform called Illegal Training stands for electronic legal training, not illegal training. Um, But the play on words usually helps it stick in the memory of people. But anyway, illegal training has 200 courses on it. They're video, uh, short form video courses that cover business development, a lot of the material in the book. Also time management, delegation skills, you know, a summer associate program and wow. we have and whatnot. So yeah, it's really, really well developed and just worth checking out. That's um, great. The third thing I do is advising on pitches and sales techniques. Mm-hmm. And when I say sales techniques, I'm not talking about the traditional sales process. You identify prospects, build relationships, you know, identify their needs, offer a solution, overcome objections, close the sale. That, that process is too general. It, it doesn't really provide guidance. Mm-hmm. So for instance, most attorneys, when they're pitching a client, they're pitching in a situation where that client already has a provider. They've got somebody available to do that work. And so what I've done is identified in the book four selling situations and four sales strategies that you can use. And the four sales strategies are the competitive positioning sales strategy, a displacement sales strategy, that is how to, how to unseat the incumbent provider, and then an education strategy and a discovery strategy. And each of those strategies depends upon an assessment of where that prospect is. And so part of what I do is advise attorneys on 
how to develop a sales process for their practice area because litigation is different from employment, which is different from IP, which is different from M&A, which is different from technology or privacy and what have you. So I help them develop the sales process that works best for the types of selling situations they encounter. And what I think we should do, we should take those four selling scenarios and we'll have you back on the show and talk about that as a whole yeah, other episode. That'd be awesome. Well, Eric, thank you so much for being here. And to our listeners, make sure you check out the show notes. You can get the links. You can connect with Eric directly on LinkedIn. And we'll also put the other resources, including a link to his book, which I'd highly recommend. Eric, thank you for being on the show today. And I thank look you. forward to having you on as a guest again in the future. Yeah, that'd be good. Yeah, it's been a real pleasure. I appreciate the opportunity to talk to you. Great, thank you. Thank you for listening to the Rainmaking Podcast. For more information about our recruiting services for international law firms, visit our website at attorneysearchgroup.com. To inquire about having Scott speak at your next convention, conference, sales meeting, or executive retreat, visit therainmakingpodcast.com. <laughs>